What it do, people? Welcome back to the Ghetto Smart Podcast. I'm your host, VC. Episode 29. Episode 29. We back in this thing. I appreciate everybody that's tapping in. Had to take a week off. Had to take some time off. I was tired, y'all. I was tired, boss. I was tired. But we back. Happy to be back. Hopefully over the hiatus, you were productive. Hopefully you had a couple good weeks. Hopefully, um, yeah, you was getting to the business. You was getting to, getting to whatever needed to be done. I can't even lie to y'all. I was really taking some time out for myself, some personal time. Really wanted to get some shit together. I'm getting ready to go on a vacation this weekend. Nice little three-day getaway. So I'll definitely be back again for y'all next week. But yeah, man, I just had to take some time off, y'all. I wanted to sit down and record. I actually did. I set up everything to sit down and record last week, and I just didn't have it. You know, um, throughout the first 28 weeks of doing this, um, I've had plenty of days like that, but I still kind of mustered through to get it done. But it was just something about last week that, I don't know, it just... Something just didn't sit right. Um, I just didn't feel right. I felt like I needed some time. Felt like I wanted to give, you know, give my listeners some time to get into some other things, give them some time to, you know, catch up on on some episodes they might have missed, catch up on some content that I already put out. Give you an opportunity to make your way over to the YouTube channel, check things out over there. So yeah, man, we've been working, we've been resting. We've been smoking, we've been meditating, we've been writing down our goals, just trying to get ready for next year. The work for this year still ain't done, but we're already foreshadowing what we want to get done next year, what we want to accomplish, so we got to go ahead and get started early. I think that's where most people fuck up, where they they don't think about next year until the 1st of January, and that's why the diet plans and the exercising never works. But hey, what do I know? I'm just a, I'm just a nobody with the podcast that appreciates everyone that downloads and subscribes and likes and listens. So, but yeah, without further ado, let me go ahead and get into why you are here. Uh, I hate to start the show off on such a somber, somber note after my triumphant return, but you know, um. Before I get into all that, before I get into all that, there's only one question I got to ask y'all because I'm not feeling it right now. In the great words of Von L. Hill, did you miss me? Did you miss me? You see, I was so focused on getting into the stories, getting into the, into the news. I didn't even ask y'all if y'all miss me. You know, Put you in that awkward position that your girlfriend puts you in. You know what I'm talking about, fellas. Where she runs up and gives you a hug and she says, did you miss me? Shout out to Patrice O'Neill, man. I swear to God, that man was a, a genius, an OG, a, a, a god before our eyes. Man, he would set the internet on fire if he was still alive today. 
But yeah, man, I hope y'all missed me. I really did miss y'all. I missed this whole process. I missed sitting down and 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 giving it to y'all straight. So, but yeah, I wanna. I, I didn't want to really start on this note, but I didn't. I only see it fit to start the show on this note. I do want to say a rest in peace to actor Michael K. Williams. We all know Michael K. Williams as Omar Little from The Wire. He was also um, involved in Boardwalk Empire. He was in, involved in a plethora of awesome works, awesome displays of of acting. Um, he was found dead of suspected heroin overdose in his Brooklyn penthouse Monday afternoon. Um, law enforcement has told the Post, the New York Post. Uh, Williams, who was 54, was discovered face down and unresponsive in the dining room of his luxury Williamson Williamsburg pad with what appeared to be heroin on the kitchen table. A relative of the actor talked to him Friday and Williams was supposed to show up to an event Saturday but never made it. The relative went to Williams' home Monday and someone called cops to the address at 440 Kent Avenue just before 2 p.m. saying that there was a man who was unresponsive and feels cold. Um, it's extremely sad. Um, it's a, a, a extremely sad situation. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't believe it yesterday when I saw it. Um... It's just a sad situation all around, you know, and, and condolences to the family of Michael K. Williams. Uh, he was a great actor. I'm I'm currently and it, it sucks because I'm I'm actually currently rewatching The Wire. I just finished rewatching The Office, which is absolutely amazing. I can't believe I missed all the shit that I missed. But I'm actually just restarted The Wire um, over the past week. And to hear this news, it is just uh, it's just heartbreaking. It's damning. Um, and you just hate to see it, you know, you really hate to see it, uh, but rest in peace to Michael K. Williams, uh, may his soul rest in peace. Thank you for the work that you, that you provided us with and, um, and leaving your mark on this planet. We'll always remember that actor that had the, that had the scar in the middle of his face, never knew why, but no matter what role he played, it always seemed to fit in and it never took away from the role. So rest in peace to Chalky from Boardwalk Empire. If you know, you know. Rest in peace to him. I do want to send another rest in peace out to Fuquan Johnson, uh, another comedian. He's a comedian, Fuquan Johnson. He was among three that overdosed from cocaine that was laced with fentanyl at a party. Um, it looks like. Um, Fuquan and two other people at the party ingested some cocaine and, you know, just in the midst of having a good time. And it looks like it was laced with fentanyl and it, um, has shown to be fatal, um, to Fuquan. Uh, he was a, a well-known actor, excuse me, well-known comedian, um, close to the, um, to the Waynes family. Um, very, uh, very known comedian around around the circuits. Um, according to Yahoo, 
Fuquan died Saturday after overdosing at a party in Venice in Los Angeles, in the neighborhood, in the Venice neighborhood of Los Angeles. Two other victims who have not been officially identified were also pronounced dead at the scene. Meanwhile, fellow comedian Kate Quigley, who TMZ says lives next door to where the gathering took place and recently dated Darius Rucker, was hospitalized in critical condition. Police were called to the scene shortly after midnight and found four people who appeared to be deceased or close to it. Investigators believe Johnson, 42, and the other victims ingested cocaine laced with fentanyl. However, autopsies are still being performed on the three bodies, which are currently at the Los Angeles coroner's office. Fentanyl, a synthetic opioid that is so that is 50 times more potent than heroin, has been a factor in the deaths of other Hollywood figures like Mac Miller, Lil Peep, and also Prince. Johnson, a writer for Comedy Parlor Live, was a frequent performer on the Los Angeles comedy circuit, performing at various clubs around the town for the last 10 years. Quigley, an ex-girlfriend of Darius Rucker, has appeared in several television shows, including The Office, Star Trek, Hitting Frontier, and Goober. So I do want to send a rest in peace out to those who lost their lives and also to Miss Quigley. Hopefully she's able to pull through. Um, and you know, people, this is just a wake up call, you know, where within one weekend we have, we have four people dying of an overdose. And I understand that, you know, people go through things or maybe you're just using the drug just in the midst of partying and turning up and you're just feeling good. But we also have to be, uh, cognizant of what we're putting in our bodies and also who we're getting this stuff from. That is why me personally, I, um, advocate, you know, knowing, and producing the drugs that you're going to use. If you produce it, you know what's in it. So if anything happens, you have no one to blame. You can't trust your drug dealer. That is some um, extremely unfortunate news. Um, a series of unfortunate events, but I feel like, you know, as humans, as people, we have to take these situations and we have to find the lessons within them. You know, and again, rest in peace to Michael K. Williams, rest in peace to Fuquan Johnson um, and the other two identified individuals um, that perished along at that party. So I want to move right along. So we finally got Donda. Donda, 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 Donda. And then we got CLB, Certified Lover Boy. Kanye dropped the Donda album. Drake dropped Certified Lover Boy. Last time we were together, Kanye was touring around the country, living in stadiums, doing some weird shit. Drake was promoting the album, putting up billboards. I must say, my honest opinion, after listening to both albums... I honestly, I honestly, I honestly and truly believe that Kanye has the better album. Drake just has more bops to it. And when I say more bops to it, I mean, he has more singles on his album. I think that are made for the kickbacks and the, and the parties and the, like the way too sexy in the video with Kawhi Litter. I think that was awesome. I think it was, I think it was Drake, you know, showing you that, even with all the success and even, you know, with everything that's going on, he doesn't take himself too seriously. 
and I say that be, I say that to say this because I personally couldn't see Jay Z doing something like the Way Too Sexy video, where you know you're being silly and all that. When Jay's about his business, he's about his money. You know, it's not too much that we're gonna sit here and laugh and play and kiki about. So, um, but you know, according but listening to the Donda album, you know, with tracks like Off the Grid, which is to me the best song off the album. Fabio Foreign did his thing on the album, did his thing on did his thing on his verse. He probably had the best verse on the album. Kanye fucking with the drill beats. I just think it was amazing. Um, I think it was absolutely amazing. I think uh, it showed how even though both of these individuals have been pretty much at the top of the game for well over a decade, how they can still produce high quality art. Um, And I don't know. um, I feel like you have to listen with you have to listen with objective ears to both of these albums because you have some people that come out, you know, and just because they're already on Drake's side, they say, fuck Kanye, I'm with Drake, yada, yada, the album sucked. And I feel like as hip hop, as a hip hop community, that's not what we should do. As a hip hop community, we should praise these gentlemen. We should uh, come together. We should be able to celebrate one another and the successes you know it's all right to have friendly competition but you know the beef and the hate is really no need for that when you know um it's plenty it's plenty of of space and opportunity for people to eat out here and um these are two of the greats but i can't one thing i can't say about drake is that um he talked a lot of shit on this album he talked a lot of uh i'm number one fuck your number two your number three whoever I'm at the top. You can't fuck with me. You can't stop me. Can't stop, won't stop. The only thing he didn't say was Rockefeller Records because he get down. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty much the type of shit he was on. Drake was just talking his shit. 7 a.m. Bridal Path. As we know, that's his, his address. Kanye leaked his address. Drake talked a lot of shit. Go listen to the album. Go listen to it. And Drake in the midst of and Drake in the midst of trying to be petty, he leaked a Kanye disc called Life of the Party where it was Kanye West and Andre three thousand, where Andre three thousand pretty much laid down one of the best verses of the year. Um and I think it was petty of Drake to release the single thinking that it was, you know, it sucked and it was it was horrible when the response you know, especially from Twitter, people loved it. And people actually thought it was like, yo, how Drake going to, re- you know, release a song that's better than every song that's on his album. So that's the main takeaway from a lot of people when they listen to, you know, the the suspected Drake diss from Kanye. But I feel like Kanye did a disservice as well with the lyrics he chose to use where he chose to talk about bullshit versus, you know, kind of being on the same tip as Andre 3000 where Andre 3000 was really on some, you know, really, really on some deep shit, you know, regarding his, his, his parents who perished off this earth. But I'm not going to sit here and give an in-depth review. I mean, there's, there's a plethora of other, a plethora of other sites and, and sources that they, that'll give you a, 
more in-depth review. I'm just here to tell you that I think that those are two listens that need to happen. If you're a fan of hip hop, if you're a fan of rap, I think you need to check them out. I think that's something that you need to really dive into. Give it time. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, go in with go into it with an objective mindset. Don't look at a lot of comments and hey, I want to hey, hey, I like track number this, that, and the third. No, just press play, put it on the background, and let it go. And you know, shit, shit catches your ear. Shit, shit catches you. And I think they're both lit good listens. Shout out to both of them. Shout out to Kanye. Shout out to Drake. Hopefully, they keep it going. I definitely recommend you check that out. You know, no hate, no slander on this side. I support all my brothers and sisters. Speaking of supporting brothers and sisters, Naomi Osaka. (sighs) I don't know about y'all. This shit is starting to get on my nerves. And I don't come from an insensitive place because in my previous episodes, I've told you that we stand with Naomi Osaka. But I mean, come on, guys. Come on. Okay, this is according to Yahoo News. Naomi Osaka just dropped another emotional bombshell on the world of sports. On Friday, the 23-year-old tennis champ lost her match against 18-year-old Layla Fernandez, an unseated Canadian player in the third round of the U.S. Open, and the loss clearly left Naomi shaken. Like, to her core. Like, 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 she, like, I don't know, she doesn't take losing well. And Naomi was so shaken, in fact, that she announced her decision to take a break from tennis. At a press conference after the match, Naomi answered questions about the match. From really specific issues like going up against lefties to larger comments on her recent emotional and mental state as a whole. Seriously, the press conference is raw and vulnerable and showcases why Naomi has become such an icon for mental health and sports. I guess we're all dealing with some stuff, but I know that I'm not. I know that I'm dealing with some stuff. She explained. I feel like for me recently when I win, I don't feel happy. I feel more like a relief. And then when I lose, I feel very sad. I don't think that's normal at this point. Naomi, who spoke out about the toll that the post-game press conferences can take on athletes' mental health early this year. As for what this means for Naomi's tennis career, that honestly remains to be seen. She said, I feel like I'm kind of at this point where I'm trying to figure out what I want to do, and I honestly don't know when I'm going to play my next tennis match. Sorry, she told reporters at the press conference, tearing up. I think I'm going to take a break from playing for a while. And um, as she's doing this, she is balling up crying. She is crying, 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 crying as if somebody stole her her dog or her cat. Again, I'm not bashing her. But this participation ribbon generation, what are we going to do with it? You know, when you have... People like Naomi Osaka, you have people like Shikari Richardson, excuse me, Shikari Richardson. You also have people like Simone Biles who are put in these positions to represent not only your country, but women. And you hear all these excuses as to why they can't perform. 
And this makes me respect Venus and Serena so much more because they had to deal with way worse media. They had to deal with way worse racism tactics. They had to deal with like, imagine, imagine if somebody did a racist character, a character, character, character. You know what I mean? God damn it. God damn it. I can't even say that word. Character, 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 whatever, whatever. You understand what I'm saying. Remember when that, that racist person in the newspaper, I think it was overseas, did that little racist thing of, of, of Serena jumping up and down. Damn, I really sound like an asshole. I ain't going to cut it out, though. I'm not going to cut it out because you know why? This is a Ghetto Smart Podcast. What happens? Imagine if an editor did something like that to Naomi Osaka today or Simone Biles today. They would probably pass the fuck out. They probably wouldn't know what to do. Where's the heart? Where's the fight? Where's the like Naomi Osaka is she's being asked about her loss. She's being asked about her tennis match that she just lost. And she's crying. She's crying like she's a little teenage girl. This is a 20 year old woman. She wasn't up there crying when she was beating Serena Williams. When she beat Coco. In the final, Coco was crying and she sat there and she did the interview and everything right on court next to her. Naomi Osaka threw shade. I forgot about the woman that she beat and the girl told her the name and she called her a different name. Anyway, call her a name that the girl told her wasn't even her name. And then you want to turn around, and talk about mental health and shit. Soon as everybody figured you out. That's what happened. I would equate that to like Tebow. When Tebow hit the league, he was on fire because you know why? Nobody was doing that wildcat shit. But after a season, everybody caught up. After we have some time to sit down and study your ass and we ain't steady moving and going this, that, and the third, we actually have time to sit down and study what the fuck you doing. It's over for you. And that's what happened to Naomi Osaka. You came in blazing. You was beating everybody. But once everybody gets to sit down and study your style, it ain't shit. And now you crying because you out here getting your ass whooped. But I'm not mad because you know why? Look at how much money I've said on the previous podcast, how much money she's made in her career thus far. When you're young, you make that much money. You don't want to do this shit no more. I don't want to get up 5 a.m. and train. I don't want to do this shit no more. I done made it. I done got it. My parents are good. They got money in the bank. I got money in the bank. Y'all can't take this shit away from me. Fuck y'all. I feel like that's where she's at. There's nothing wrong with that, but you can't be out here wanting all the accolades and wanting equal pay and wanting wanting to be equal to Rafael Nadal and, and, and all the male tennis players. Novak Djokovic, you you want to be put on the same pedestal as them, but yet you still want to be able to cry and be able to not sit up and answer as to why you didn't perform up to your to your true potential. You're getting beat by an eighteen a uh, eighteen year old unseated tennis player, and you're one of the best in the world. And your only response is to cry about it and say, you know what, I'm just not going to play anymore. I don't want to. Where's Corday? Corday hasn't been at the matches. Where is Corday? 
because when Corday was at the matches and they were all happy go lucky, she was smiling. You ain't heard none of this last year. Where was Corday this year at the U.S. the U.S. Open? Ain't no pictures. Simone Biles, you finally get into a relationship. You have to leave your little boo and go over to the Olympics. Now you got mental health. You can't. You don't know where you at in the air all of a sudden. But you walking around with goat on all your jackets. You the goat. You the greatest of all time. But yet you can't perform. The fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Too many passes that we give. We're giving too many passes nowadays. Let me know when the bullshit stops. Let me know when we start holding people accountable again. When? I support my sisters. I support these people. But you can't have it all. And what I'm finding is that with a lot of these, a lot of these new ways, these new generation women athletes, they want it all. They want the pay. They want the recognition. They want to be able to lose and not have to talk about it. Go play your team sport. Then maybe somebody else can speak about the loss instead of being an individual. How about that? I feel like we got to do better. And I feel like if we don't demand better from our athletes, this is what we'll continue to get. But, um, yeah, people, that's all I got for you this week. Check out the Donda album. Check out Certified Lover Boy. Rest in peace to Michael K. Williams, Fuquan Johnson, the other two unidentified people. Please, please, please take care of yourself, people. Drink alkaline water. Get some rest. Love yourself. Exercise. Eat right. Think about 10 years from now. Think about five years from now. Stop just thinking about tomorrow. Think down the road. I appreciate everybody. I appreciate you. Happy to be back. I love every one of you for supporting me, for sending me the messages. People were sending me messages last week that they missed me. People were letting me know that they were looking forward to the podcast. I don't do it to let, I don't mean to let you guys down, but you know, hey, Rome wasn't built in a day. Even they took breaks. So on that note, I'm going to go ahead and get up out of here. I'll holler at y'all next week. Peace out.